podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to week 39 of the Foot Weekly Podcast. It's a gameplay episode and I can welcome back, as I pretty much always do, Air Japes. Hello, how's the weekend been? Uh, weekend's been pretty good. You know, you always feel like it should be important to try to get some decent red picks during ultimate tots, and mine were, like, fine. I got Kvaradana, uh, but he's, like, not as everything as I was hoping he would be. So, yeah. kind of a bummer there. Yeah, 1.4 million is still a lot of coins, but not had anyone raving about him. I assume you haven't used him yet, but... I have, I have used him. Um, oh. I tried to, like, really get him to be super spicy and work great, and I just couldn't do it. Mm. So he promptly went to the bench. Hmm. A shame, but, you know, I wonder whether it's the medium, medium. But we should move on to someone who's definitely not medium, medium. He's high, high work rates at the moment. He's been probably all over the globe at this point. It's Richard Buckley. Hello. Thank you very much, as always, Ben. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a busy, busy few weeks. Um, nice relative sort of five days off now before uh, back down in London to find the 24 finalists for the FIFA World Cup. So yeah, nice. um, excited to get a bit of FIFA in over the weekend and hopefully enjoy a, a Shapeshifters promo potentially coming this week as well. Mm, very exciting. And we have on this podcast as well a uh, writer for foot.gg and someone who certainly knows a lot about gameplay, gameplay mechanics, all that kind of stuff. It's Nafil Khan. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me here. And yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be chatting with you guys. Free legends of the FIFA community. Oh, that's very kind. You'll definitely be invited back. Um, and we should... Uh, <laughs> get into uh, what we're going to start with, which is actually this question which Hugh asked and we spoke about on the content podcast this week, which is the supporter episode, um, but was interested to know if Nafil and Richard had a player they would put forward for this. But he was basically saying, as we're getting into silly season and there's not really a reason to save coins, who is the player people should try out before the game ends? And uh, yeah, I'd be interested to know. Uh, let's start with you, Richard. If there's anyone you would say people should go out and try. We're saying unlimited coin budget here, but maybe it'd be nice to know a player who's a bit cheaper and a bit more expensive and get some variety to it. I've got a ridiculous shout, mm -hmm. which I was one of the fortunate people to uh, open up my level 30 rewards uh, last season and got a team of the season moments Neymar. Mm. And he is just, he just makes the game a, a breath of fresh air. Like he's... He feels incredible on the ball. The, the things that you can do with him is just... It feels like I'm playing a different game. Um, after using Harry Kane for a long time, it feels like I've just... I've turned the leaf over and I've gone from 1990 into 2010. <laughs> like, I, I've gone... I've shot through into a different atmosphere. He is unbelievable. So, he's one that's ridiculous budget. Like, what's... I think it's over six mil still. Might drop if there's a, a nice bit of uh, content coming out this upcoming weekend where yeah, there's a uh, more incentive for players to try and you sell people on, etc. But I've got another shout, which oh, yeah. um, he's a player that I don't think you people might not have used. He maybe doesn't look the most glamorous. He's got a few different versions of him as well. I think the top version is about two and a half mil. There's a team of the year for 1.9. You might know where I'm going with this. 
if you've not used him, get your hands on Erling Haaland at one point this year because he just... I get a sense of joy when I score with him. I don't know what it is. I don't really have any affiliation to Man City, but doing a couple of step-overs at Erling Haaland, seeing those six-foot-six or whatever he is legs move before hitting it into the back of the net, and I've got the Erling Haaland song cued, so all I need to do is press space bar. How does that song go? It just brings me a... Haaland, Haaland. That's all you need. That's all you need. Every time. Um, It's just fun. Like He just makes... It makes the game fun, and uh, it's just another way of playing. Like it's a completely different way of playing FIFA 23 mm. um, when you use him in the team. Because with the ball at his feet, it's not very good. Like he's passing, he'll let you down. Doesn't have a five-star skill move in him, so you can't twist and turn with him in the box. But if you can stick him over the top, if you can get him in those areas where it's very similar to Man City, first-time cutback, going in on goal, he just doesn't miss. He's really, really enjoyable. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is, and I just wanted to squeeze this in before I forget, but there's a good chance Ibrahimovic gets an end of an era. And we know things previously were a bit prickly with him and EA in terms of rights. I'm sure he'll be happy to become an icon in FIFA, um, ultimately, or in EAFC, I should say. But I guess there could be some wrangling. It could take some time. So I think that would be a player that when he comes, I'd definitely encourage people to to do. Although I wonder how cheap he'll actually be. Probably not too cheap considering he'll be very effective and maybe lengthy as well. Uh, but anyway, Nafil, uh, let's hear from you. Who would you recommend to people to try out before the end of this year? Um, I have one recommendation for people and it's, it's a little, he's a little pricey. Is about one point. 2 million right now I think on the market it would be team of the season moments Sadio Mane mm. um, I packed him during Bundesliga team of the season when everybody was running around with like 29 loans of R9 29 mm. game loans of uh, R9 up top and I was no different I tried him as well and I'm not saying that Mane is better than R9 in any way R9 is on a league of his own but when I brought in Mane to like sort of take over on that striker role there was something about the way that he moves and the way that he dribbles that goes through players it's the one card that I feel like has almost everything you need in a striker he can pass he can score he has a little bit of strength in him not too much but he can jostle with players if you need to and he has those five-star skill moves to weave around and just have a crack at goal I he's Mm. not left my squad ever since he has been a permanent stay in there. Definitely recommend trying Sadio Mane out. Nice. And I think, unless Japes has suddenly thought of someone that he didn't mention, we can probably move on from this, but... I mean, Mane was like, I think I gave like a shout for a version of Mane as well. Um, Now that I've packed uh, Robert Lewandowski as well, he's pretty fun and he's not expensive. Mm. We were talking also, well, you said him, right, as a player that you feared... Yeah, as a, an attacking player, and actually, that's something else that might be fun to ask: Is there a particular player, uh, Richard? First of all, that you really like fear coming up against? Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, that, every game. That was a just a popular one. So as you one. see a Harry Kane, four three two one, Harry Kane. It's, it's game over. Um, I don't actually mind like playing against an R nine or I feel like Benzema, Harry Kane both score against me a lot. Mm. Oh, Benzema's a good shout. I do feel um, like it has to be R9 in the right hands, doesn't it? I think a lot of people who use R9 are using the loan and just trying to just throw the ball to him. The people you want to be scared of is the people who's gone out and either packed R9 or bought R9 mm. 
because he's not one of those. He's not like Mbappe, in my opinion, where you can just pick up and play. Yeah, you need to have an understanding of him as a player. The people who have that understanding, if they're good with R nine, will ruin you. Hmm. But yeah, a lot of people. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable when I play against R nine. Kane, Benzema, and that's it really. Just them two score a lot against me. Yeah, no feel any variation on that or are you in oh, agreement no those two players Benzema and Kane like like just mm. adding to what Richard just said they have that thing about them where anybody can pick them up and they can use them to their maximum capability like whether it's long shots if it's first time cutbacks no matter what you try to do with them the ball somehow yeah. ends in the back of the net and it is it's just terrifying totally agree and then what tactic are you playing at the moment? And I guess particularly, is there a particular tactic that you think is fun and people should use at this point in the cycle where, of course, the goal is really enjoyment rather than grinding out better results? I think that, like, not quite underrated, but overlooked tactic this year has been the 4-4-2. And right now, that's my go-to when I'm trying to, like, get some wins in for champs and not trying to just get five people behind the ball like it gives mm. you enough defensive solidity, you know, two banks of four and just has that, just has something about it. You know, it's got the right movements, the right instructions. You can get the wingers up. You can get balls into the box. You can have one striker stay in and one striker who's moving back and forth, trying to create channels. And oh, yeah, I think that's a tactic that people should be looking into right now. Just enjoy the game, be effective, but not slog on like just having eight people in your box defending the ball. Yeah, and any particular, I mean, I guess it's probably straightforward. Most people know about 442s, but is there any particular uh, personnel information you think is worth passing on? Like, do you um, tend to have one more defensive midfielder, one box-to-box, or is it kind of you want to have, box-to-box at this point? You want to have two box-to-boxes in there. Like, it's, like personally, I would recommend having two box-to-box midfielders in there instead of having, like, the standard setup of one, like, destroyer in midfield and one kind of, like, balanced or attacking for, like, midfielder. You want two midfielders who... Mm do a little bit of both you want wingers who have physicality to them who can like run down and like try and help out a little bit in defense and for strikers you need to have one striker like one target man somebody like holland or uh harry kane for example somebody who can just go into the box and take the strike and you want one agile striker somebody like mane or even like a winger who you're pushing towards playing into that striker role just you need one somebody who's agile and can do the dribbles, can beat defenders, and one mm. target man up top. That makes sense. And I think we can move on to maybe some more broad gameplay questions now. Uh, Bracco says, recently I've found that during games uh, I'm controlling by being, say, 3-0 up, I start trying to work on building my possession and keep working the ball. Uh, to discover different opportunities and see what runs my players are making. But then I concede a counter-attack goal, and uh, when I try and take control of the game again, um, it seems that I often concede uh, because my opponent is now uh, in control of the game more or has the momentum. Uh, are there any tips on how to regain control to get back in the mindset of maybe needing to score um, and focus? Because I feel like I drop off and go into cruise control in these games. Um, I guess like Richard, first of all, I imagine that avoiding that situation is probably the best thing. So, you know, not sort of changing up how you're playing or not, um, I guess, allowing that momentum to shift to some extent. So are there any kind of tips for doing that? Like if you're a few goals up, what are you tending to do in the game to 
ensure you're kind of maintaining that lead? Um, don't allow your opponent any sort of easy wins. I think it's a, a pretty simple one. Like, no, no silly fouls. Don't allow them to gain confidence into the game. Mm. Um, something that a lot of the the pros do it. It was actually Nightwatch who said this sort of thing to me, and that now I've noticed it, I bring it into my own gameplay because your opponent can't just pause the game whenever they want. They have to queue the pause. If you see someone queuing a pause, try for as long as possible not to let the ball go out. Mm. It just means the length of time before they can change something, whether that's personnel or instructions, tactics, if they don't have it preset, is is longer. Um, so it seems like a real sort of like simple thing, but I would say if you're in the 70th minute and you see your opponent queue a pause just have that little bit more insight to not take a, a wild long shot and give the ball away and allow them to sort of change things up. Maybe just keep it for an extra couple of minutes and, and try and see the game out. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I've often noticed when people change tactic against me, they often are actually having to pause to do that. If I've been playing like the three four two one, they want to switch to, I don't know, a 4 triple 2 or something that they feel can have an advantage. Often they don't actually have that preset and they're going to have to pause to make that change. So yep. holding them off from being able to, I guess, try and get the upper hand tactically is a very good tip. Um, and often I think that can be the thing that changes and sometimes people don't notice when you're a few goals down. Like I've had people message me saying, oh, look, you know, the game's broken, scripted or whatever. And what I've done is change tactic, right? And people don't necessarily pick up on it, especially if you do it on the D-pad, I guess. Anything from you, Nafil, on this question? Like tips for people trying to maintain a decent lead? I will agree with what Richard said, and I will add to that. There's more than just tactical nuance to preventing somebody from making a pause. It's a lot of what ends up like winning and losing games is psychology more than anything. So what you've done that is not only have you like given them less time to make the change, you're frustrating them. And mm. that's all there is to it. Whenever you go three goals up, and I've you know fallen victim to that myself. I go three goals up, four goals up, and I will sort of like kick it down a notch and be like, okay, like I need to play a smarter game now. I need to play possession. I need to like build up my plays. I need to be careful so I can maintain my lead. And forget that the way that I was playing is what got me the four goals in the first place. And I need to like continue playing that way. And, mm. and it's about getting into your opponent's head and not letting the opponent get into your head because you'll notice like you go four goals up, three goals up, and then suddenly the opponent scores and they're like doing a celebration. They're grittying. They're trying to like get you to lose your cool. And it's all about the psychology mm. of maintaining your own composure and trying everything that you can to make them lose theirs. Yeah, that makes sense. I know actually, Japes, in the past you've maybe said, oh, actually like... I'm not great when I go a few goals up and I often allow comebacks when I probably shouldn't. Would you say that's still true? Do you uh, coast a bit? Or? Yeah, it's because I decide that I'm going to just score like epic passing goals. Like I, I decide when I go up a goal, it's not like I right, want to yeah, start yeah. trying skill moves. It's all of a sudden like I'm about to just play like one touch and rip you apart. And I give up, you give up counters when you do that. It's just not... Like there's an appropriate time to play that way, but like when your entire buildup is like, I wonder if I can play one touch all the way through. Um, but I, I would say I'm, I've gotten better, or I'm pretty good at even if I give up one silly goal for doing something of just like shutting it down. Then like flipping that switch off, I don't actually change anything when I go up goals. 
if I'm up three, my goal is to then be up six. There's no like foot off mm. the gas. The only time that I change is if they clearly change their tactics and what I'm playing is no longer working the same way, then I'll consider making a change. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I feel like I don't get that much experience of doing this because when you do go three goals up, people tend to quit anyway. So I can see why it might be something that someone's kind of unsure about because how many times does that actually happen that you end up, you know, going beyond three nil up? Um, I guess if your opponent scored early, perhaps they're more likely to stay at four one or something. But um, yeah, it's an interesting point. I'm, I'm sure we'll come back to it. Uh, the next thing I wanted to ask actually is to you, Richard, you've obviously watched a lot of very, very high level competitive play going to the E-Champions League final. And uh, we know all about the prevalence of, say, the 5-4-1, 4-3-2-1 as well. But kind of beyond that, what were your take homes from those events? Any particular things you were seeing a lot or anything that you're kind of thinking, mm, I imagine that is something that yeah, you'll be looking at to try and change for next year because it was a bit too prevalent or really any take home from those events? First time over the top three balls, mm-hmm. mm. just so so strong. Um, Emre Yilmaz, who went on to win the Champions League, incredible FIFA player, the best FIFA player in the world right now. A lot of pros will agree with that sentiment. However, I would say fifty percent of his goals coming from, and it's it's not necessarily just the simple. It's any sort of over the top through ball in any scenario. He can pull it off at any time, and that's the brilliance of him. But that mechanic shouldn't be as strong as it is. Um, I think when you the more you look at it, it's to do with the defenders AI. They they just don't track. They just don't don't run back whatsoever. So um, I think that will be something that they really have to look into for next year. Um, it's it's always the case, especially when you look at FIFA as an esport. Whatever was really good the year before typically isn't good the year after. Mm. Um, so I don't think I think it will still be good, but I, I would imagine there will be changes to the defensive AI and whatnot in order to to make that different. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing as well, the Emre Yilmaz in particular did so good. The variation of set pieces, he probably had three or four different corners. One of the corners that he actually scored from played short. The opponent moved the keeper with the right stick. And he just power shot at it in the near post. <laughs> wow. And it, it, it's that sort of thing where you go, well, why would you even do that? And he has the confidence that he's going to be able to aim it on target every single time. because yeah, that's a tight angle to, to score from, right? Yeah. yeah. If the keeper saves it, it's a corner again, and then you can do something else. But if they move it so far out, you, you're going to score because the angle mm. could be there. But also, if you miss the target, you've got a pretty good chance of it being just their goal kick and you've lost the opportunity right You've, yeah so um he was doing that a little bit and then once you start introducing one or two of those in people then don't move the keeper as much you can then get an easy cross into the box and try and score the header so i think the the over the top through balls and the, the variation of corners set pieces in particular were um were two big takeaways for me mm. what were pros tending to do did you find from free kicks actually because that's something that i'm always interested in um Nobody really gives fouls away. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like mm. I, I don't, re- I don't really recall many times where, unless it's like a super cynical one where it's last minute and you, you've scythed him down to save a goal. Mm. Like the pros will not press circle so much, or even like they'll just stand off. So and only really press the ball when they have to press the ball. Mm. Free kicks aren't really something that's 
done a lot. Um, I did see a couple of direct shots. There was one um, where he moved the keeper to the left-hand side of the goal and he went for sort of like a knuckle Traveller over the top of the wall. I think he hit the post. But um, yeah, it's not really something... I think corners and, and to be honest, throw-ins. There's so many players who have got giant throw-in now that people are like making different angles and whatnot from throwing. So there were one where he had it like pretty much in his own half. He right stick to the player, ran him all the way down the line and he just got rid of all the danger. Just to launch the ball up the pitch with like a, a Rory de Lapesque yeah, It's worth having a look at your players for traits, isn't it? Because the giant throwing one, uh, I mean, I think Davies definitely has it, doesn't he? Um, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's a good one to point out. And also actually, you can't be offside from a throwing. I mean, plenty of people will probably yeah, know that. You can but take them as far, far up as you can. Yeah, uh, that's good fun. Any final point? I mean, that sounds like plenty for now, but um, not particularly. I think obviously five four one was prevalent, but four three two one also really really strong. Um, if someone matches up in a four three two one, typically the other person will go to a four three two one. If somebody matches in a five four one, the other person matches in a five four one. That's typically how it goes. Very rarely, unless you're watching like an Anders Vergan game, where he will only play four four two. Will you see? two different formations going mm. at it. Did you feel like he was at a significant disadvantage playing the 4-4-2 then? No. Mm. I think he's just mechanically, he is, when he plays at his best, Anders, nobody, in my opinion, can beat him. And he's at his, his top flow and he's playing at his very best. The only problem is he's got probably the highest ceiling, but he's got a very low floor mm. where it, when it does go wrong, like I've seen him crying on the stage before and it falls apart very very quickly um i think the reason he probably didn't go on to win the tournament he finished top four in the end it was a, a i think a tournament restriction to him he started in the losers bracket he had to win i think it was seven best of twos and um it was just too many games in in the day for him yeah that makes sense. also i guess do you think though that he needs to play the four four two to be at his kind of mechanical peak is that what you're kind of saying because presumably if he's so ridiculously technically good if he just used the same formation as everyone else you'd think he'd just win <laughs> right i think it's the the 442 which enables him so having two strikers in the final third having the wide players coming in mm. um he presses so well with the center mids it's sort of the perfect formation for his play style um some players ha- are just really good at fifa but can adapt to different formations mm. um nicholas perfect example of that the argentine he will play any formation in which he needs to play to to win and he's got probably three or four or five different formations ms Desari used to switch to like four different formations in the same game mm. just to make sure that he's always doing something different for whatever the game needs anders will play 4-4-2 because that is what he's best in mm. and I, I don't think i think him changing to a different formation you rub away some of that anders quotation mark magic yeah and actually goes to show you know if you are good experienced with the formation it doesn't matter what the methods are playing that formation can often lead to you reaping the rewards no doubt he'll have coaches saying you know what's the most effective way for you to play is it to switch these other tactics and actually it turns out presumably they feel that he's going to get the best results with a tactic that suits him best which that does and actually anders 442 is something that a few people have said they've used and is uh, very good for them. So 
I'll link it in the description of this podcast. Also, of course, in the Tactic Bank in the Supporter Discord. Right now, though, let's take a break. We'll be back to talk about a bit of a FIFA myth and uh, plenty more tips, pointers and discussion, of course. Hello, listeners. Uh, Allow me a little bit of a ramble here because we're heading towards what is uh, FIFA's endgame. I mean, not just the end game for FIFA 23 but FIFA entirely so if you have any thoughts on potentially different topics we could cover over the summer especially because it's the end of FIFA as we know it then you know please do send in any questions you might have any topics you want covering maybe ideas for guests you would like to come on the podcast for a discussion too uh, always definitely open to any suggestions listeners might have and you can send those in uh, via all the usual ways footweekly at mail.com and at footweekly podcast on twitter uh, at Foot Weekly Ben is my Twitter, and uh, you can do the little Q and A thing on Spotify, uh, comment on YouTube, uh, really any way that's easiest for you to get in touch with any topics, any guests, anything along those lines. And uh, look forward to seeing those. And if you would like more Foot Weekly content, including past Foot Weekly content, we've got some specials from previous summers which are still very much relevant that connection episode uh, went down really well people have improved their gameplay experience massively because of that uh, patron episode on connection so do check those out and you can go to uh, support for weekly just search that uh, in google and it'll take you to patreon where you can sign up for just three pounds a month Uh, you'll be supporting the podcast keeping it going and uh, if you do consider doing that then uh, that is greatly appreciated and uh, let's jump in to the rest of this podcast hello welcome back after the break let's get into talking about body type people will know because it's something that's discussed uh, that body type is something that factors into how good a player is at least to some extent and it's also something that there's a lot of confusion about and there's also some FIFA myths going on I think which we're hopefully going to clear up and when we're talking about body type here we're talking about the generic body types not unique body types like Neymar and Mbappe they have their own specific unique body types to them Um, but plenty of significant players do have generic body types Benzema, Lucio for example Um, and one of the things we noticed is first of all there's a lot of confusion around what the body types actually mean because the terminology we use tends to be what's used on a particular popular database website and they use things like short and lean uh, lean high and average high and average plus and i think Phil, there is confusion there people don't necessarily know what those actually mean i think so because whenever you think of high and average you think okay this player is going to be tall and this player is going to be bulky so whenever you think of a high and average plus, you would think of somebody who is taller and bulkier, somebody with a bigger frame. But what that translates to in-game is high and average becomes your Lucio, while a high and average plus is a Victor Lindelof. And Victor Lindelof is leaner than Lucio. So the high and average plus, which would usually have indicated bigger and bulkier, translates in-game to somebody who is the same height but is leaner and Mm. has a smaller frame. Uh, And the reason why it occurred to me to look into this is because when gathering the data to add into the foot.gg database, there are no labels on the data. It just purely says a number one to nine. And that code has just been arbitrarily renamed and called high and average or high and average plus which, yeah, as you say, is, is confusing, but also actually looking at it, 
the reason why there are nine of these generic body types is somewhat unclear because actually when you compare, for example, a high and average plus, a lean and a short and lean, there is really no difference between those three apart from the height of the player. So actually it feels like, now Phil, looking at this as we have, there are really just three body types, lean, average and stocky. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's the visual distinction that we can see. And the other thresholds that have been applied have just been for their height. Thresholds being 170 centimeters and 185 centimeters. And the players who are below that, between that, those two and above the 185 have been given like distinctions in their code. So we are under the impression that there are nine different body types. Whenever you go to those thresholds, somebody say like Thomas Muller, who gets a high and average plus body type and Guillermo Ochoa, who just gets a regular lean body type. Mm. When you look at them visually, when you look at them side by side, they are identical. Their bodies, mm. the way that they're like displayed in game, despite having two different codes, they look exactly the same. Yeah, they are visually identical. And it seems there are just three types, not all this complicated high and average plus, et cetera, et cetera. But it's possible it still has an impact in game. And this is something we're going to dig into further before uh, having foot.gg present it as just three, which would be nice and neat. Obviously, remember, you do have those unique body types as well. So there are plenty around. But for these apparently three, not nine categories, it'll be tricky to test whether there is actually a difference because there are so many factors which influence physicality, whether it's weight, etc. You know? Yeah, like there's going to be weight. And of course, like even if you like get the stats identical, there might be something that might shift that. But at least for now, visually speaking, there is no difference between a high and average mm. plus body type and a lean body type, just their heights. And it's mm. ever so clear if you get somebody who's at that threshold height, so the same height, but to like, you know, across the two different body types where there is just no difference and i'd like to add some evidence to that because whenever you go to like you know create a custom pro and i might not be having the right terminology for this but when you go to like select their body type you know a custom like a generated pro and you give them a body type you have a selection slider between three different body types mm. the slim one the average one and the stocky one which gives more credence to exactly the idea yeah. that there are only three visual indicators for body types and the height is just something else entirely. And there we go. That's, you know, a FIFA myth busted, I guess, right at the end of uh, <laughs> FIFA <laughs> as we know it, but I doubt it will change yeah. going to next cycle. It hasn't changed for a long time. So yeah, uh, an interesting thing. And, and maybe in the future we can talk more about kind of the impact that actually has in game. Um, and I guess like, you know, we're talking about this, but actually this cycle has had one of the biggest physicality changes that we've seen but it is more because of the whole lengthy better. And uh, that actually came up on the podcast on Monday when James, I think it was you who asked whether we thought that lengthy had been a success this cycle. And I was actually interested to know, you know from your perspective, let's come to you, Richard, about lengthy and, and whether you thought it had been a success. That was what James was asking. I think it was a success, but in my eyes, like I now don't think about if I'm making a player lengthy, controller explosive, I just play the player. Hmm. Whereas before, there was that added thought of, I want to make this person lengthy, or I want to make sure that, like, he, I'm only getting people in this position who are lengthy. So I would say it's, it was a success, but now it's 
irrelevant. Hmm. Is it though? In my eyes, like Kane Lewandowski. I thought. I'd, I think it could be. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of disagree. I think it's still very much relevant. I mean, well, the point is that a lot of players now don't have the ability to be made lengthy because their agility is too high, right? So there is that. Surely, Richard, you think that someone like Kane, and the reason he's so quick is because he's lengthy, right? It could just be Kane. Like, that just could be him. Do you know what I mean as well? Like, mm. the reason that Benzema, Kane could be so good is they also have like ridiculous stats that make them that good. Is it the lengthy thing that's making them OP? I suppose we, we don't know. Yeah. Like, Because I, I tried Lewandowski with an anchor and he's lengthy with an anchor. And then I tried him with a hawk just because I was interested. He's not lengthy with a hawk, right? And he feels way better with an anchor running in behind. I'm not saying, you know, you necessarily definitely want to do that. You may want to I don't know, make him feel better on the ball or whatever. But the pace on him over long distance was pretty noticeable. So I think it still matters. But does it matter as much as it did? I guess you're saying no. You don't think so. No, I mean, from the first few yeah, weeks yeah. and months of the game. like. But it should be said for the first few weeks, it was actually broken because players with lower dribbling were given an advantage because they weren't I, being slowed down by a glitch. So, Yeah, I... My overarching point, though, is you think about it when it comes to like center back some as well. And like it definitely is a consideration with attackers. And I just, for me, the goal of introducing something like that was like pretty obviously to make players that were once upon a time deemed probably like mm. not usable to be usable. So like I think that's been mm. achieved yeah and I think Josh's point and I kind of agree with this I'm not sure I gave a thought on it but is that I don't know whether making players just faster is the way to do that I don't know I don't think you got a chance to respond to that on the podcast shapes but I don't think you can change the mechanics though mm. like I sort of feel like the mechanics are what they are we've I mean we've talked about it a zillion times like pace is always the first step people look at it's always going to matter and in fact in like real football like like pace kill like speed kills do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's the one thing you can't teach. And players that have it, like, if you make two players, like, entirely equal in all of their abilities and you make one of them fast and one of them slow, the faster one is going to have an advantage. Well, yeah, I guess, of course. But to expand it even further, actually, I think if you offered top-level managers a team of all players who are very quick or all players who are very strong, it would be very quick that they went for, I would imagine. Uh, because in real life, like in the game, you've got recovery speed, uh, it helps there and there are various other things as well. But I would actually say, I'd be interested to know what people think about this, but it really feels like strength is a bigger factor this cycle, having not been particularly influential, even beyond the whole lengthy element. It does feel like it's giving you a bigger advantage this cycle. No, I absolutely agree with that one. Um, physical stats have changed up this year, how they matter. Like, obviously, like, Towards the beginning, lengthy played into that. To make a player lengthy, you had to boost their strength to like get above a certain threshold compared to their agility. But also, there have been other things that have been added into the game, especially next-generation gameplay, that are affected by mm. simply the strength set. And having a higher strength, having higher aggression has allowed players to perform better. And I would absolutely say like this year, more than any of the previous years, that the physicality of a player has impacted their performance in game. And I'll even mm. go back. It's like when we were comparing lengthy and people were like, okay, but lengthy is just a new gen mechanic. Why do my players feel better in old gen gameplay when I'm 
putting an architect on them. And that completely leaned into the fact that their strength was being boosted as much as possible, which made their gameplay feel a little bit more smoother. And I think it's been something that's mm. been kind of a, not per se a hidden mechanic, but something that has been overlooked by people, that making a player stronger has made them feel smoother in-game. I think that's a, a fair point. Do you have any thoughts on kind of strength more generally, Richard? Like, do you feel like it's um, having more impact this year? Or To an extent, I, I will notice my striker if I'm using, say, a, a big striker, like brush off a defender, mm. like sort of like animations where you like throw the defender down or like brush past them. But it's not something like, for me, when when I think about lengthy or like strength and whatnot, I'm thinking how often when I'm playing do I say, oh, look at that strength or look at that pace or whatever. I very rarely say, look at the strength of that player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that is a fair point. It's certainly not something that people are looking at as much as pace, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Japes, have you found yourself using more physicality just overall rather than just lengthy? Or I think it's more like correlation and causation. I like high aggression, and oftentimes high-strength players seem to have high aggression on this game. So, you know, I don't think it's that I find myself using... Like, Joshua Kimmich is a player that I love, and it's because his aggression, his aggression stat is silly. Um, but it has nothing to do really with his like strength ability. Yeah, I do think there's the thing as well. I feel that strength is one thing, but I think a player has to have, I've always looked at this, I feel like few people actually end up looking at this, but weight is actually important in strength. To me, if a player has higher weight, they feel stronger and the strength kind of backs up that. Whereas other players, if they're like not very heavy, um, but strong, they're not able to physically compete. That might be, um, because I haven't actually looked at the weight, like you've said, but I do look at a height and body types when you go through that, because we still don't have like complete transparency on how the collision mechanics specifically work and what you're saying, you know, that a player that's, you know, heavier, like in their weight will feel stronger. That's because some part of that is affecting how their collisions mm. are working with the ball and with the other players around them and yeah there could there is merit to that idea that weight might yeah. be important to how strong a player feels in game because it's not just you know a linear scale like there's multiple things that are coming into play deciding how these players are interacting on the pitch and weight might be one of them yeah no, that makes sense um something to look out for maybe maybe even bmi is something that people should look at because the combination <laughs> of height and weight i guess is going to be a factor to some extent as well um on that you know thrilling uh, concept um, we'll probably wrap up this podcast uh, first of all uh, nafil thank you very much for coming on this podcast and you know sharing your knowledge as always i guess people can catch you on twitter certainly and various other places as well uh, thank you for having me it's yeah it's been a wonderful time having a conversation with you guys and yeah you can find me on twitter and obviously on footgg mm-hmm. twitter.com slash nafilkhan26 nice great and then we move on to richard thank you very much for stopping in you know amidst the busy schedule really appreciate it thank you very much as always uh you can find me on any social media at rbuckley98 great well, thank you very much richard and uh to japes as well uh, always great to have you on the podcast. Uh, you can find Japes well, at Air Japes these days. Yeah, at Air Japes. Uh, I suppose mainly on Twitter. I don't really use any other platforms. Um, 
And even then I still use, I use Twitter kind of infrequently. So mm. check me out. Say what's up. Yeah. You can follow the pod at Foot Weekly Pod on Twitter, me at Foot Weekly Ben. You can also follow foot.gg actually at footxgg because you can't put a dot in it. Uh, but you can also visit the foot.gg website. Uh, a little podcast spoiler for everyone. I'm currently working on an app. It shouldn't be too long, hopefully, uh, which will be great. So looking forward to that. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then you may wish to subscribe. If you don't already, you can do that via the usual podcast providing platforms, but you can also get an extra podcast every single week by subscribing for just £3 a month via Patreon. Just search support for weekly. Uh, loads of content over there for you to enjoy. Thank you very much to all those supporters who are keeping this podcast going. It really does make a huge difference. And to those icon patrons, Dave B, Hugh J, Coach Vass, DJ FIFA player, Alan G, Alistair, Anthony R, Dominic P, Rob P, Jeff B, Stephen F, Tom B, Damon H, David S, Nick Jack M, Eric T, Neil P, Adam G, Dan W, Waterman, N Hagman, Harry A, Jake G, Roger D, Springford, Alec, Bracco, Nishant, Harry P, Alex M, Lee A, Brendan W, Andrew C, Joe W, Timothy J, Dylan, J Kel, Ibis24, Adam R, Sam K, Graham W, Andy, Ads H2K and Brian V. Plus a special thanks to Luke M, Dave B, Hugh J, Tom M, Darren W and Pato Foot for advice and production assistance. Before I leave you, just one more thing to add though. FIFA's a bit like life really. It has its many ups and its many downs. If you're having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice, support, or even just a friendly chat for anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net. And for now, have a good one, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.